Sometimes it's possible to misunderstand the directions, isn't it? And uh, for me, I'm not very good at reading uh, signposts. Um, uh, my wife refers to this as car park dyslexia. The worst occurrence of this uh, was actually not in a car park, but one of the um, uh, uh, road junctions in Kent. And uh, as I have, an, I have an incredibly good sense of direction which leads me sometimes to ignore what the signs actually say, which is particularly difficult in Kent because a a lot of the road junctions, they just put in an extra swirl. You know, so you're approaching, and for me, I know that the place that I was happened to be going on this occasion was that way, but the sign said, go that way. I'm I'm not going that way, it's the wrong way. Little did I know that that was then led to about 12 miles of dual carriageway going in the wrong direction, uh, unable to be get get off, and I missed uh, the appointment that I was after. Sometimes it's possible to uh, to not quite hear the directions, right? And sometimes it's possible to get completely and utterly lost. We've got four kids. When Matt and Tom were at the age where they could both toddle about and they could go and find things, I took them to Tesco's, a big Tesco's. And uh, I don't know whether you know it makes sense uh, for those parents in the place or those who have looked after children. You know, mine and Megan's bit of string is a different length. You know what I mean by that? Hers is quite short. She wants the children close where she can see them. Mine's quite long. I'm, you know, I'm relaxed about it. And so we were going round Tesco's and Meg was at home and uh, Matt must have been uh, three, I think, and Tom was probably four, so I hadn't, was, maybe was just about to start school or something like that. And my little bit of string was so long that I had them in the next aisle and I was talking to them over the top making them get things from the list you know, trying to keep them engaged that way it's cheaper on Pringles you know, you don't have to feed them as many Pringles if they've got a task and then, you know, feed the person at the checkout the empty packet and say, yes, we ate these two I'm sorry anyone else ever done that or not? just, yeah, some of you are nodding good Anyway, so I'm chatting away to the lads who are in the other aisle. I think we're in the dairy section or something, and and they're finding cheese or milk or whatever it might be. And um, I then kind of go, something's wrong, and I can't quite figure out what it is. And I think, so what's wrong? There's only one voice coming from that other aisle. amazing how quickly you can get to level 11 in panic, isn't it? You know, instantly my heart is racing and I can feel the adrenaline get to the end of my fingertips and I have gone into panic mode and I leg it round to the, you know, to the end of the arm so I can see and Matty's still there. No Tom. And you know what it's like when you lose... Have you ever tried to find your husband or your wife in a supermarket? 
I lost Meg the other day in M&S, in the middle of town, in the food, in the, you know, in the food hall. It's a disaster, and I'm walking up and down the middle aisle, and you know, and you know that every time you walk past, they're just going past the other. Terrible. Anyway, I then start to move incredibly quickly, and I am doing the full length of the of the end of the aisles, trying to find this four-year-old boy. And at this point, as a parent, you kind of lose control of your vocal cords as well, and so I'm calling for him, Tom, Tom, where are you? And you can see the other parents around me, they've also gone to 11, some of them have gone to 12 in terms of panic, and, and, and he is nowhere, he is not in the shop. I don't know how long it was. I mean, it was probably like a minute, but in my head it was like 10 minutes. And eventually I think, he's not in the shop. I've got to go out and look in the car park. And I'm, I'm out in the car park and he's not there either. I'm desperate to find my boy. And I come back in the shop one last time. And there's this little boy holding the hand of the security guard. He'd come looking for me. So he'd gone to find the car because he thought that's where I might have gone to. And thankfully the security guard stopped him on the way. Oh, did I get a telling off from Meg when I got home. You know how it is. And of course she's right. As we come to this story today, this is a story about finding things. But not just things, much more than things. It's about finding people. And Jesus has got this whole group of folks around him. He's got the tax collectors around him. He's got the sinners around him. And what are they doing? They are listening to him. The tax collectors and the sinners are listening to him. They're gathered round to hear Jesus. You know, Jesus is attractive to people. Jesus is attractive to people. And actually, when they catch a glimpse of him, they want to hear. But there are other folks around who grumble. You know, at St. Mag's, where I was leading before, when the homeless started coming in, there were a few grumbles to begin with. You know, because if you're living on the streets, you tend to smell. And you don't necessarily know the rules about how the service functions and when to not talk or whatever. You know, and we're trying to loosen all that up. But at St. Mag's, they did get it. And they were amazingly gracious with those that didn't know how to behave. And they, they loved them. And they were never phased by it in the end. We didn't choose to do that ministry in my last place. It kind of found us because those were the guys that hung around the church. 
So it will be different here. But there's still a world full of folks in this area who don't yet know Jesus. And all saints, that's why we're here. Yes, the chief end of man is to glorify God. But when we've glorified him, when we've worshipped him, he then gives us a purpose. And it's to go and seek and to save the lost. To look out for them. But there's this other group, the Pharisees, and they are grumbling. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He even eats with them. You see, the sinners, the tax collectors, they were the ones that were unclean. The unclean in the Old Testament, you had to stay away from. Why? Because otherwise what would happen is the unclean would contaminate you and you would become unclean and then you'd have to go through a whole load of purifying things and you wouldn't be able to worship for a bit. And It was all really, you know, it was messy. Well, of course, because you're unclean. And these are the people and they're afraid. The religious people want them to stay away in, in case they become unclean. But with Jesus, something else happens. As Jesus comes near the folks who in Old Testament terms are unclean, he makes them clean. His cleanness is so infectious that it rubs off on them. His cleanness is so infectious that it rubs off on them. And it's not that Jesus doesn't take sin really seriously. I think he does. If he didn't, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. Jesus takes sin head on. But he turns the whole equation round. Rather than it messing things up because of what he's done on the cross, now he makes people clean. He sets them free. He starts the work before he goes to the cross and now he completes it on the cross and now we get to join in. Did you know that you have that effect on people? Do you know that you don't need to be afraid? Doesn't matter who you meet, it doesn't matter what they've done, it doesn't matter where they've been. You carry the presence of Christ Jesus. You get to change them because of what Jesus has done as they meet him. There's a bit of unpacking in this passage because the idea in verse 1 is that what Jesus was doing was not a one-off. This was normal for him. It was normal for him to hang around with people like this. Jesus was good news and people want to hear it. Can you just turn to your neighbour? And I'd just like you to ask them, how many people live around you that don't yet know Jesus? Okay? Everyone, all together. Who's good at maths, by the way? Anyone here good at maths? Excellent. Lady just here. What's your name? 
Josh, Josh, you're in trouble. You shouldn't have pointed at her. You're in, Josh, uh, you good at, are you good at averages? Excellent, good. Uh, Josh uh, is going to tell us what the answer is. What I'd like you to do is everyone together shout out the number that you came up with. Okay, are you listening, Josh? Excellent, okay. You ready? For Josh, in Josh's direction so he can hear. You ready? Go. Josh, what's the total number? Folks, we're not sure of people to connect with. Josh has told us the answer. There's too many. We're not sure of people to reach. There's too many. How how do we know we can trust you, Josh? (laughs) You've done physics. Physics. Done it or doing it? (laughs) I was going to say, it's a big world. There's too many. So in response to the grumblers, Jesus tells this this story. There's a shepherd. He's got a hundred sheep and he loses one. What does the shepherd do? He goes after the one that's lost. Jesus is not passive. God the Father is not passive. If you want to understand parables, and that's what these Jesus stories are, then one of the key questions to ask is, where's the Father in the story? It's easy for this one, but when you come to the more complicated parables, it's a really helpful question to ask. Where's the Father? The Father here is the shepherd going after the lost sheep. And what's he doing? He leaves the other ones behind. He leaves the ones behind that are okay. And he goes to hunt, to go and find, to seek out the one that's lost. Folks, if you're lost, God the Father's looking for you. God the Father is looking for the many who are around you. He's looking for the many in Western and in Bath. You know, Bath has got about 90,000 people in it, including the students, I think, or something. Is that number about right? More. More. There's more. There's many and there's more. Okay? In the Anglican Church, there's about 3,267 of us, so I'm told by Richard Wilson, the rural dean, and he must be right. Um, And there's a whole load more churches where, you know, they count things in a different way, which is great. We're not short of people to reach. And for every single one of them, God the Father is looking for them. He's looking for the people that you work alongside. He's looking for the people that you live alongside. And in the the story that Jesus tells, when he finds this sheep, he does what shepherds do. He picks it up and he puts it over his shoulders. Why does he do it? Because a lost sheep don't want to be caught. This is the equivalent of a shepherd's fireman's lift. It's, I'm going to pin you down and I'm going to get you to the right place. So he grabs hold of its legs and it goes round its head and he holds on to this sheep for dear life. This sheep ain't going nowhere. 
except with a shepherd. If you want to carry a a sheep, you've got to pin it down and restrict its movement. And what's he do when he finds the sheep and he's brought it home? He, he says to his friends and his neighbours, it's time to have a party. There's going to be more rejoicing because of this one who's repented, who's come home, than for all the rest. You know, I'm, I'm like, hang on, Jesus, I've been following for years. Are you saying that if one person repents, there's going to be a bigger party in heaven than for me? Oh, Hang on, I just moved into the grumble camp. And that's what he says. And what he invites you to do is to come and join the party and to celebrate too. Because now, rather than being the one that's celebrated over, you get to do the celebrating. Everyone is invited to the party. You know, one of the things that we can take out about this story that Jesus tells this parable is that God the Father really loves people. It's not about the Church of England or any other denomination. It's not about high days and holidays. It's not even about the worship, even though I love the worship and I love to worship. It's about God reaching people. And you know, folks, uh, you need to know this as well. As I've, as I've looked at the building stuff, and, and we're going to be, um, the, uh, there's a leaflet coming out, I think, next weekend. You do need to know this from me firsthand. I've been walking with those guys, um, uh, the, the rock team, since June. And the plans that, that have been drawn up are really good, and we're going to bring them to you in the early part of next year. But you need to know one of the reasons why I think the plans are good is because they're not about the building. They're about people. You know, why on earth would you want to make a place like this warm and welcoming, except if it was to be warm and welcoming to people? Why would we want to bother to invest to replace a PA? You know, it's good enough, isn't it? Pat's been working on it for years. We want to do that because actually we want when people to come here to be able to hear really, really well. Pete's changed the bulb. We still can't really see. Thanks, by the way. It's good. It is better than it was before. You know, so all of that stuff, the only reason it makes any sense to do it at all is if it's about people. I'm not interested in preserving a museum. You know, we've got a great one in the middle of town. It's fantastic. Let's keep that. It's a good one. I mean, but let them get on with the building stuff there too. If we're going to do something here, and I think we should, it's got to be about people. Welcoming people into this space really well. Helping them to discover Jesus. Because Jesus is looking for them. God the Father cares so much. 
that he sent his only son to die in our place in a rescue mission for you. He's not a distant clockmaker who set the world in motion and abandoned it. He's right here, right now, and he loves you. My question for you this morning, my challenge, is where are you in this story? First question to ask of parables is which character is the father? Second question to ask is where am I? You know, and it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus, you could be in any one of those places. I was brought up in a Christian home and when I was 18 I decided I'd had enough. Church was not great. God was still okay. We were kind of talking a bit. A bit. You can find yourself lost even if you've been following for years. Maybe you're in the listening group paying attention to Jesus but you haven't you haven't quite understood it yet maybe you're in the grumbling group can I give you a little phrase if you're in the grumbling group is there anyone in the group come on no don't put your hand up (laughs) I know who you are already no I don't Um, little phrase for you just to, you know, set the right tone at All Saints. I've been here a little while. You know, we did the forgiveness thing early on. Okay, it's excellent. I'm still living with that. That's good. Uh, Another little phrase for you. Grumble Direct. I mean, it's not like grumbledirect.com. I mean, that'd be good. Grumble Direct. Seriously, if you've got a grumble about this place, okay, come and tell me. All right? Because if you tell 15 of your neighbours, well, they're going to be grumbling about it too. (laughs) There's a lot of people grumbling. And then once they've told another 15 people each, we'll all be grumbling. And we'll be miserable. It's awful. Seriously, if you've got a grumble, come on, grumble to me. Alright? I'll listen for as long as it takes. I might well tell you that we're not doing what you want us to do at the end of it. But I will have heard the grumble. I'm not necessarily going to agree with you. Or I might. But we'll have a good cup of coffee and you can get it off your chest and together we'll move forward. Grumble direct. But this, they're grumbling. They're grumbling about the people that don't fit. Maybe that's the grumble. You know, this place, this place is for the people that don't yet belong. For those that are not yet following Jesus. I can't remember who said it first, but the church is the only organization on the planet that exists solely for the benefit of its non-members. That's why we're here. Maybe you're listening, maybe you're grumbling, maybe you're lost, maybe you're right now. Jesus has grabbed hold of you scooped you up, popped you on his shoulders and he's carrying you home. Tell someone. 
let them know because we want to party with you. We want to celebrate with you. Wherever you are, even if you're currently rejoicing, wherever you are, God wants to take you deeper. However long you've been following, the journey's not done. He's got more for you. He's got more for you to do. He's got more for you to experience. And he's got more for this place. We did a little exercise last thing, and I'll finish. We're going to worship. We did this little exercise with the um, staff team. We need to get those words right. We haven't quite got them right. You know, some of the staff team that come around to ours on a Monday morning and pray and worship, some of them are paid and some of them are full-time volunteers or part-time volunteers, but we call them all staff. I don't quite know how that works here. We need to communicate that better. Okay? That team did this little bit of work with them this week. And we just asked ourselves the question, how many people do you think come through these doors each year to Sunday services and Christmas and that kind of stuff? How many do you reckon it might be? A hundred. Yeah. Josh? <laughs> You're right, because Josh agrees he's done physics. We, we came up with a conservative estimate that including Sunday visitors and, you know, 250 or something over Christmas, we reckon that over the course of a year it might, and this doesn't include the church centre, we reckon it might be somewhere between 300 and 750. So I reckon your answer is much better. But come and visit. We had 50 this week. I'll go find him in a bit. <laughs> yeah, we're not short of people to reach. Will you be the kind of people that, that love and look after the folks that Jesus simply puts in front of you? your friends and your neighbours, because that's where it starts. It doesn't need any guilt. It just needs us to be looking out for the people that Jesus has put in front of us in this place, when they come and visit, and where you live. Okay? Should we pray? I want to I pray for all of you, and um, we're going to worship as well. And um, come on, stand up with me. something of the Father's heart for people. Not out of guilt or strain, but out of joy. So Holy Spirit, I pray for all of us at All Saints. Those that come to the 8 o'clock, to, to this service and to our evening service and our youth groups and children's work. That each one of us would would begin to see and hear and feel your heart for other people. Your heart for the people of Western, of Bath. Your heart for our neighbours. 
your heart for the people that we work with. Holy Spirit, come and come and lead us afresh into you, but also out on a mission. A mission to the people that you've paid the price for. That you love, that you delight in, that you want to bring home, safely home. Holy Spirit, help us to catch your heart.